0: Coming at you from the EBITDA Growth System Studios, looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. My name is Dave Kapkiewicz, and I'm with Mike Watkins, and we want to welcome you to the Making Business Profitable podcast. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee you to double the value of your company within three years or give you your money back. Good day, dude. Good day, Michael. How are you doing? I'm making it, man. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I, I, uh, you know, I decided to keep Stella.
1: Oh, really? That's a change in mindset?
0: Yeah, I was going to sell her because I don't put a lot of miles on my car. and, And after driving her out in the sunlight and my son told me this was going to happen. You're going to spend some time in that car, and you're going to decide you want to keep it because it's a wonderful car. And, and I waffled a little bit and listened to him. And You know, she's part of the family. I'm not willing to abandon her. Well, here's the deal, right?
1: You, you can have obscene performance, or you can have reliability. You can't have both. And so you just have to be comfortable, and it is what it is.
0: Yeah, you're right. So I got the reliability in my Ford truck. That's it. That's so what I'm saying. I have that, so we're okay. We're okay. So uh, what are we, uh, what are we talking about today, Michael?
1: So today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the question: Should I buy a, a piece of capital equipment?
0: Yeah, that's you know that's a that is a great one to talk about. I'm uh, I'm a little passionate about this. I can remember being young and buying machines and kind of overspending, working one shift and just really leveraging myself, which is, I really packed on a lot of stress doing that um, because my payment was big and if the work was there, it was okay. And if it work wasn't there, I wasn't okay. And uh, I, I put myself in a couple of bad situations younger when I was younger and I learned from those and I always guide people toward measuring and looking at data and the data telling you what to do.
1: Yeah, but I suspect for every, uh, person like yourself who, uh, you know, damn the hatches, let's buy another machine, and perhaps overspent, you know, you have more machine than you need, more machine, plural, than you need, there are those who should have bought a machine two years ago, and, you know, they're, you know,
0: just... Stuck, can't be. We? So well, I think we want to address both of those. I think we can get through all that. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. uh, I think in about four or five points we can cover that whole thing. Um, let's, let's fire right in. I think let's talk a little bit about utilization. You know, we have a piece of equipment. Uh, that piece of equipment, once it's in your facility or part of your repertoire, you own that piece of equipment seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Are you only using it eight hours a day? Using it five hours a day? So what is your what is your utilization for your equipment? Do you have 10 pieces of equipment and uh, and they only run one-third of a week? Um, because you have a lot of upside, right? So now go ahead and ask your question because I know it's coming.
1: Well, you know, I think the question becomes um, it, it's easier to find a... A new customer than it is to find an employee. So, the way you get utilization out of those machines is by increasing your headcount. But how do you increase
0: headcount? You got two two levers you can pull. Um, number one, you can the easy one is increasing headcount. <clears throat> the hard one, which I would recommend doing first, is work on your process. Uh, make sure. Um, Take machine shots, for example. If your programming process is solid and your setup process is solid, you don't have to invest a whole bunch of money in bench strength and get the highest level bench strength of of employee. You don't have to get the best of the best employee to manage that because you know you have a good programming solution, you have a good setup solution, and with that, you can get a mid-range bench strength employee, which somebody with a medium skill level, and that person with good processes coming in, good setups and good programs, that person should be able to run two, three, four machines, right? Sure. Instead of one machine, one person. So, uh, I always go toward working on process first. If the process is capable, it gets to your machine, and you gives you a very consistent output. That's something you can manage and not have to add. Instead of adding, you know, five people, you might be able to do that with only adding two. Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, certainly the programmer type and the setup type, mm-hmm. um, they aren't growing on trees either, but they... Uh, it's, it, um, no, those
0: grow on special trees like in Jerusalem. Those, yeah. those are hard to find. Most yeah. most of the time, a really highly skilled shop and a machine shop, most of the time they grow their own.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, that's, a uh, you know, it, it, I, I'm playing devil's advocate because we've seen clients who say, hey, I can't can't find employees, so I just want my existing employees to work more machines because I got this $2 million order in the mm-hmm. door. Right, And you can see the slippery slope there. You have to be willing to live on the edge to do that because if the work goes away, the machine doesn't. Uh, if the work goes away, you can you know, have a reduction in force or do something you need to do with, with, yeah. with labor.
0: But yeah, it puts you in a really tough position. Um, First off, you look at, you talk to your existing workforce. So if you have a high bench strength, uh, so I've seen shops with nothing but high bench strength and I've seen shops with so little top end bench strength that it, it's very painful. But if you have decent bench strength, uh, don't look at night shift. Nobody, Very rarely you're going to find people, unless people just don't like to wake up, but very rarely you're going to find people just dying to work nights on the weekend, but especially here in Colorado. You can find young people or people of any age that are good working Friday, Saturday, Sunday and work 12-hour days because they can hit the slopes, they can hit the trails, they can hit the mountain bike trails, they can do hiking, they can do a little bit of anything during the week. Maybe they want to do grocery shopping when there's only 15 people in the store versus 250, right? So, and it's during the day to where they still have the evening. So, and, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of ways to manage this. I I know when I was staffing shifts, my easiest shift to staff was weekend days. So we took our top ends, our top end people, our highest bench strength, and we split them. We said, "Would anybody want to do this?" And several of them volunteered. We've seen we saw a manager volunteer to do this last week. Sure, we did unexpectedly. Yeah, um, it was it a game changer actually in that it, in that kind of conversation. It It was, and. Uh, and you and you split them up, and next thing you know is now you build up your processes, and see what you can do as far as just making it consistent. Maybe instead of hiring some programmers, maybe hire a couple setup guys. Instead of hiring a couple setup guys, maybe hire a setup guy and a couple operators. And there's operators are easier to find. We we have a client that uh, they got a big contract, and they wound up they hired 29, 29 operators that passed there, passed through the gates. That made it for more than ninety days. Uh, they did that in about three weeks with the qualified HR staff. So, did they get top end, top end bent straight? No, no, not on every one of them. On a couple, but not every one of them. But there are employees out there, especially today, people that want to get out and work. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 unique debate. Uh, you know me, I'm pretty passionate about it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can I can see both sides. Um, it takes a risk profile for you to reach out or reach into your pocket and pay $400,000 for a machine or finance a $400,000 machine or three or four $400,000 machines. That's a risk profile for sure.
0: Especially when all those machines are going to be turned off more than half of the day sure, sure. Or, or half of the day. If, if your machines are literally turned off taking up floor space, more than half of the day. You need to ask yourself those questions. Call me. I'll talk to you about it. But I mean, it's, that's a lot of money sitting there doing any doing nothing. So there's a couple of gates that I look at right off the bat. The, the piece of equipment I'm looking to buy, is it a redundant piece of equipment I already have in the shop? So say I have a 5-axis DMG uh, Mori and I'm looking to buy another 5-axis DMG Mori because I, I have a project coming on, and I'm going to buy the exact replica. Well, that enters a conversation. Would another shift help? Is it temporary? How long do I have the work? Okay, you know, if I'm just repeating. You Know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. The other question then, because we've walked into shops, and I've seen a Fadal over here, a DMG over here, a, a, Mazak. a Mazak over here. Mean, is, it, is there an advantage to having... Same manufacturer throughout your shop?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, um, when you're, regardless of whether you're talking about instruments in a certain job, when you're doing pulling cable, or if you're wiring up furnaces, um, or if you're running machines, when you wire up furnaces, I would commonize or standardize what kind of uh, brand you're doing so your guys know what they're working on. Same thing with machines. If you have all those different platforms, your people in the shop, they need to know the interfaces for every one of those machines—it's just like Apple versus uh, Microsoft. It, It's—they're completely different machines. Buttons do different things, and you kind of get lost really quick. So if you had to work on both every day, you're gonna—you're just more prone to making a mistake. So the more you standardize, it's easier to train. The easier the process, the more robust and capable your process is for sure. No, that makes sense. That does make
1: sense.
0: But one thing one thing where you can get me when you're talking about adding a new capability say you have a a machine that isn't like anything else say this is your first swiss machine but you have an order for or you have a potential to do a whole bunch of screws for somebody um and you don't have any other machine that can do that kind of work
1: right right. so
0: you have a you have a really good opportunity for a, a customer and you have to invest in a brand new type or new capability I think that's wise as long as the other numbers pan out. I think that's a wise thing because the more diverse you are, I mean, we know it. We see businesses every day. The more diverse you are, the better better life's going to be, right? Sure, sure. So in that scenario,
1: um, if if, uh, if you don't have a Swiss in your shop today, by definition, it's going to be a different brand than the rest of your machines. Yes.
0: and But so you have to have someone who's going to learn that machine. and Right. But a lot of times you're buying a machine you're, and you're in the floor or the entry is around two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand $250,000, you can negotiate training in there. So, um, you know, there are machine dealers here that handle a certain brand of mill. And with that mill, uh, one of the other lines they carry is a Swiss machine. And so they carry both. So you can talk to your manufacturers, the people you work with now, and say, hey, who do you recommend? Well, hey, I carry this now you're dealing with good people. Whenever you buy equipment, the number one rule to buy equipment is, is is it serviceable in your area? Do you have somebody that's going to be there, Johnny on the spot, they're going to take care of you? So if you don't have good service, you can't go with that person because no matter how good the machine is, the service is an issue.
1: Yeah. So Dave, you know, my definition of the entrepreneur is someone who Relentlessly pursues opportunity without regard to resources not currently under their control. Mm-hmm. That's the quickest way I know to be in the poorhouse, too. By the way, but you know, and, and a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs end up there. But you know, this idea of additional capability. You said if you got a contract, well, how do you get? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you get the new machine and go try to find that kind of work? Or does the work find you, and then you have to go find the machine? No,
0: I'm I'm the safe way. It didn't used to be this way. I used to be build it and and they will come. Um, You can really get hung out to dry on that. What I would do is I would talk to all my clients. I would do a brief survey. Hey, I'm thinking about buying this piece of equipment. How would you use it? Would it be good for you? Um, Is there consistent work that we could go after? Um, Are you happy enough with our service that you would be willing to give us that work if we were competitive? And I would have those conversations. And if the data came back, data, 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 the data comes back to me and says, hey, yeah, we would love for you to get that. Hey, we have this job over here. We have this, we have that. Yeah. And say, so, okay, so get your quotes out and then call back, get your quotes out, get ready to purchase and call your customers back and say, I'm going to pull the trigger. Are you serious? And if they sign up, awesome. I'll be ready to make parts in eight weeks. Send me some parts to quote.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: And then when you do that, you can deal with equipment manufacturer, they'll help you set it up, buy the right tooling and heck, you might even get a package and get a turnkey. From a turnkey is when you buy a piece of equipment and they supply it with tooling and fixtures and and all the training around that, even programs.
1: Sure, yeah, 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 we've had several clients do that turnkey thing you're Mm -hmm. talking about. So yeah, I I mean certainly it's uh, the least risky scenario if you have purchase orders in hand um it will that will fund
0: the payment the payment for that machine yep if you're financing it yeah
1: yeah
0: now if you're in business and you're just looking for an investment and in add capability for sales and you have a pile of cash and it's coming up at the end of the year and you need to spend a pile of cash or uncle Sam's going to take his chunk well I'd look at adding the capability and but I would go through the whole customer survey thing again uh, why buy a why buy a motorcycle when your customer wants a Corvette, right? Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, that, you just, that is
1: a scenario though. That's a scenario where you've made a lot of money, got a lot of net profit, mm-hmm. and um, you either give Uncle Sam his fair share or you buy a machine, uh, accelerate the depreciation on it, and, mm-hmm. and, and drop some of that net profit.
0: Definitely, definitely. Or if you see a new launch coming up with a customer and they're and they're willing to give you letter of intent saying, hey, I'm willing to give you this, go ahead and buy this, and if it doesn't, you know, you have X amount of dollars in that. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things you can do, but the one thing I will tell you is don't do it in a vacuum. Talk to somebody that you would consider wise. Talk to somebody that's been down this road um, and lean into them a little bit. Sure. And, just like I said, write as much data as you can write down. What your utilization is. What, how many people will you need? Will you need anybody? Can you spread your crew out a little bit more instead of running one machine? Can they run two? Well, how
1: quickly do you want this machine that hits the floor to pay for itself?
0: Six days,
1: six weeks. If you six can do months? it, in,
0: if you can do it in six days, just order more than one machine. But uh, I. 18 months is the top end. Some customers, some some people want the 12-month ROI. 12 months is really good if you can buy a piece of equipment and make sure it's paid off and the profits. And you can explain that. If your ROI is 12 months or less, it's a no-brainer. Do it. If it's 18 months, scratch your head, make sure it's right. But if you can pay that machine, 18 months will work. Um, if you're generating enough profit to pay the machine 18 months, then 18 months. But 18 months is the very top end Twelve months is preferable.
1: Well, in this ROI calculation, you can hurt yourself really badly if you use top line revenue instead of bottom line profit. Yeah, what Engine is
0: ROI? Did I say what ROI was?
1: Yeah, it's bottom line. So, you know, if you have a machine that you paid ten thousand dollars for and you you anticipate a hundred thousand dollars of net profit from that machine, then it's, you know, a month and then then it's ten months payback. Mm-hmm. Um, if you make the mistake of saying, this machine is going to generate um, $10,000 a month for me in revenue mm-hmm. and use that in your calculation, it's not the revenue, it's the
0: profit. So It's the, re- it's the profit off of that machine. Off not of that. that machine. So a lot of people will look at ROI, what the whole shop's making. Yes, yes. Instead of just that machine. So you really got to say, I'm running a $500 part. And I have a whole bunch of $500 parts to run. Every $500, of every $500 part, I profit $100 off that part. Sure, sure. And that at $100 over 12 months, what does that equal? And does that pay for my machine? Sure. Or 12 or 15 or
1: 18 months. Right.
0: Do so you get to 24 36 and it's pretty much a mortgage. Sure, sure, hey, that's sure. It. That's too long for a machine.
1: Yeah. But, you know, Dave, uh, you know, I don't know what machines go for, what the interest rate is on machines, but if you get a machine for something less than 3%, that's the cost of inflation, so it's free money.
0: Yeah, these guys are paying anyway, depending on how much the lender's sticking their neck out for, because a lot of people continue to do this, and they might pay 6%, 7%, 8%. Wow, that that, that would hurt. I've seen leases at 12% today. Okay. Yeah, that's a little different. So, I mean, that's, you, if you find a 3%, it's unique. If you find a 3%, you should hop on it. Uh, I, I think that's a really good deal today. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's I, I don't care if it's 3% or 0%. You still got to make whatever that payment is, and you still, after that payment, you still need some left over. You don't want to be taken from the food jar at home to pay this payment.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of the ROI calculation, mm-hmm. if you have very low interest, uh, you know, you can, that ROI gets, uh, the time is, is, is contracted.
0: Yep. So. Yep. So that's, that's, those are the, those are the questions, you know, what's the utilization of my current equipment? Do I have equipment in a house that match what I want to buy? Is it possible to add another shift on the current equipment I have? Um, Is it adding a new capability? How do my customers feel about me adding that capability? Do I have work immediately when that machine hits the floor? Do I have some work for it or shortly thereafter? Um, And what's my ROI? I go through those calculations, and that data will tell me, should I buy this piece of equipment right now, or should I wait, or should I buy two?
1: Yeah. Well, I I think – I think, uh, you know, Dave, this is uh, 2021, we have COVID uh, perhaps subsiding by, uh, the, by the summer. Hope and so. uh, you have some of your competitors that are, you know, no longer in business. And so, uh, you know, are you bullish on your existing customer base? Are you bullish on your capability? Are you bullish on um, the industry that you're pursuing um,
0: are you bullish on your p and l are you Did bullish
1: you... on your p l you are you bullish on your people mm-hmm. I mean so what you've uh, outlined are some very objective uh, criteria that you want to weigh, and then you know, there's some subjectivity to it too right well I mean, you
0: you have to know what the market's doing yeah what, yeah what your market's doing, whether it's commercial or space or aerospace or medical. Or transportation, it could be in all kinds, or government, DoD. Uh, what what space are you in? Are you in residential? You know, it's it's the same thing. You look at if you're going to buy, if you own an HVAC company or plumbing company, you're looking to buy another van. Sure,
1: sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get? Is this van going to help me get in front of the
0: competition and take the out market share? Right. Well, so. well, there's two things you got to know: the data. And this is the data side of it, and I'm always about analyzing the data and the data telling me giving me an inkling, and the rest is discussion with people that I really trust. Um, my own market knowledge of, of the space that I'm in, and you're a business owner for a reason you're a business owner because you took risk and you knew it needed to be done to get somewhere. But after you do that, you have to make a decision is it right for you, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, I man. When I mean, you're a business owner, just the uh, the prospect of a uh, a brand spanking new piece of machinery, whether it's a truck, whether it's a uh, a machine for a machine shop, uh, whether it's a tractor. Um, I had a road and bridge construction company, and we had a big forty five horsepower tractor, and that uh, we had a couple of skid steers, and it was you know it was Christmas time whenever we brought. And we brought them at Richie Brother Auctions. We weren't playing brand new money for them. Right. But uh, it, you know, makes the workforce psyched, you know, to get new equipment.
0: Yeah, it's uh, if you're not careful, um, look, if you're not careful, this could be an emotional decision. Yes, yes. And that's really what we're doing. we we want to present options. I want you to be objective to your purchase, step back. Uh, talk to your business partner. Talk to your, your spouse. Dive into a little bit. Do some thinking. Talk to some people you trust and make a good decision. These are some good guidelines. Um, from what we understand, the indicators say the, uh, the market as far as manufacturing in 2021 is going to be really good. So there's, it's time. It is time to take a little bit of risk. But what we don't want you to do is take an emotionally charged risk without being objective So mix all that up and you have a good recipe for disaster if you don't do it right. But if you do it right with the data and you make that 60 to 70 percent of your decision where you really just chew on it, the biggest and best business owners that are the most successful out there, this is what they do. They do this. They don't just hold their thumb up and be all subjective and emotional and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to charge my workforce with a new machine. So we just want you to protect yourself. Protect your business, protect your family, and grow, make more money. We want your shop to grow, want your equipment list to grow, and want your employees to grow. But we want you to do it right because at the end of the day, we want you holding profit in your hand. So you can take that home, make the missus or the mister happy. Make sure you can put your kids through college if they want to go to college or trade school. Small plug there. But uh, we want you to live the best life you can because every day counts. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. growth systems do what we do to impact lives through improving business performance to get access to our content or engage us in any way you can reach our contact page or any of our information on our website at www.ebitagrowthsystems.com